0: Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 91 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math, otherwise known as STEM, to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now, let's get fired up today with our guest, Aaron, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Erin has a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from the University of Notre Dame and is currently working on flight controls for the XB1 Supersonic Demonstrator at Boom and has her pilot's license as well. Welcome to the show Aaron. fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life.
1: Hi Jeff, thanks so much for having me today. I work at Boom Supersonic, uh, like Jeff said, and I really love my job because I get to actually produce parts that go on aircraft um, that you can see flying around in the sky. Uh, besides that, I also like to fly aircraft, which is a really fun kind of tangent activity to that. Um, outside of work, I'm pretty involved in the Society of Women Engineers as well. Uh, it's a great network for supporting engineers both in college and then also in your professional career as well. Um, besides that, hiking, traveling, and talking about airplanes with my husband, who already also works at Boom, um, are things I really enjoy.
0: Awesome. Hey, I'd like to be in some of those conversations. I think it'd probably be pretty <laughs> exciting. Um, so you know, I'm kind of excited to have you on here, Aaron, because you're kind of the first aerospace engineer we've had on the podcast. So we're going to go back to Great. some of the basics of you know, what type of career opportunities exist out there for an aerospace engineer.
1: Sure. Yeah. There's actually kind of two different sections of aerospace engineering that you can go into with a professional career. Um, You can choose from the space side or you can choose from the aviation side. Um, So I went to space camp when I was 13 years old and knew that I wanted to be an astronaut more than anything. So I always focused on the space side of things. I thought I would build and design rockets or I'd actually fly in them as an astronaut. Uh, But as I got through my college career, I kind of realized that the aviation side is really interesting as well. Um, an aircraft flying through the sky has to deal with a lot of aerodynamics that you kind of uh, get past with uh, space once you exit the atmosphere. Um, so choosing between those two fields was a little difficult for me. I ended up in aviation, and it's been um, a great career trajectory and path for me. Um, working on different types of aircraft is something that you can do on the aviation side. You can build specific components at a supplier company who supplies Uh, parts like actuators um, or environmental control systems to the corporations that put the aircraft together and flight test them. Or you can work somewhere like where I do, where we actually design the aircraft ourselves. You see the entire aircraft design process. Um, I find that part really interesting. On the space side of things, you can do the same sort of thing, where you work on the overall large picture project, um, say a rocket for SpaceX. Um, or you can be one of the suppliers who creates small components that then go on that rocket. Um, So you can choose between kind of a very detailed focus career and a larger picture, uh, see the full scale of the final product.
0: All right. Thanks for that, Erin. And, you know, from an, I don't know much about aerospace engineering. Is it electrical focus, mechanical focus, or what what do you actually focus on in college?
1: So as an aerospace engineer, we focus very much on aerodynamics of light um, so they're pretty specific classes while you're actually studying there's a lot of um, kind of similarities between aerospace and mechanical engineering a lot of things work well together you do fluid dynamics uh, to a greater depth though um, and then aerodynamics compressible fluid flow um, orbital mechanics you can take as well as you get into that kind of space side but once you're in an aerospace career we really hire all sorts of engineers to work on these projects. We need aerospace engineers who can focus on the aerodynamics of how the airplane flies in the air. But we also need mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, even software engineers to build the various systems within the aircraft. Um, So it requires an understanding of how an airplane works from a larger picture. But then you really drill down into those um, specific specialties as well.
0: Right, Aaron. So you're, you're focused on supersonic aircraft, right? Really, really fast aircraft. Are this, What are some of the systems that you got to be aware of and that you could actually design for that type of aircraft versus maybe a normal Boeing aircraft?
1: Sure. It's a really interesting question. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, first of all, supersonic means to fly faster than the speed of sound. So our aircraft at Boom actually flies at Mach 2.2, which is 2.2 times the speed of sound. That's like 1,500 miles per hour. When you start flying really fast, the air around the airplane changes a lot. So you have to worry about different things that subsonic aircraft would not need to worry about. One of the really interesting ones is that when you fly on a normal airplane, it gets really cold. So the whole system, the environmental system in the airplane is about keeping the passengers and the pilots warm we fly this fast, everything actually heats up a lot. So the surface of the aircraft can get up to 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Not super comfortable for passengers or the pilots. So instead, we actually have to work to cool everything down. Our environmental control system is one of the most important parts of the aircraft. So we use um, environmental controls as ECS. We hire a lot of engineers who specialize in thermal dynamics who can work on those systems.
0: That's interesting. I I guess I never would have expected that the aircraft would get hot flying at supersonic speeds. Um, What are some other interesting aspects of supersonic flight that you don't think that we're aware of that would be interesting for STEM Nation?
1: One of the really cool things about supersonic airplanes is how they look, actually. Um, They're very sleek and skinny and aerodynamic looking, um, and they just look fast. But the reason that they do that is because we have to break through shockwaves as we're flying past the speed of sound. And those shock waves um, create a ton of drag on the aircraft that make our fuel efficiency really, really terrible. Um, to have a viable supersonic product we bring to market, we want really good fuel efficiency so that we can charge the same price as say current business class tickets on our aircraft um, and that everyone eventually can fly on a boom jet. So our shape of our aircraft is a long sleek tube and then the wings kind of look like a triangle. Um, they're swept really, really far back, and all of this helps us minimize the effect of the shock waves on the aircraft and increases the overall fuel efficiency to keep it affordable to fly.
0: So I, I got a question regarding the sonic booms, right? So when you when you sure. when you break through um, the speed of sound, is there one crack or is it a continuous crack?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's kind of something a lot of people misunderstand. When you break through the sound barrier, it sounds like it's something that would happen just once, but it's a continuous phenomenon because those shock waves don't disappear. So if you're a person standing on the ground, you would just hear one boom because it's the time that that shockwave travels past you. But if you were to be moving with the aircraft, it would be a continuous noise that continues to exist as the aircraft flies.
0: All right. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I guess I could have, you know, looked it up on the internet and see what what, what the answer was, <laughs> but I got an expert here, so I thought I would just yeah. ask. Um, so one, one concern, you know, sure. going into, let's say, aerospace engineering is it's very, very, very specific. So what would you say to somebody that's interested in aerospace engineering, but also maybe interested in, in mechanical or electrical, and being so focused, what would you have to say about that? Is there any concern about enough careers out there for an aerospace engineer?
1: Yeah, it's a valid point. Um, Aerospace is pretty focused, but because the curriculums are so similar to mechanical, if you think that you want to work on aircraft or spacecraft, it can be a really good path because it opens up fields like aerodynamics that you really cannot do if you have a mechanical engineering degree. I actually have an aerospace engineering degree, but most of my time is spent doing mechanical engineering work on flight control systems. So it works really well going from an aerospace degree into mechanical sort of work. Since we have the same basis, it wouldn't necessarily work the other way where you could start with mechanical and work in something specific to aerodynamics, um, which is more about like the fluid flow on the aircraft. So it depends on what you're interested in. If it's the systems on the aircraft, um, like flight controls, landing gear, environmental controls, hydraulics, all of that um, are really good contenders for a mechanical engineering degree and it does give you a ton of flexibility. You can also kind of tailor your extracurricular activities to get exposure to aerospace kind of design without committing to an aerospace degree if you're a little bit unsure.
0: All right, thanks for for answering that, Erin. And we're gonna pivot here a little bit to what is something that really has you fired up today?
1: Absolutely, Um, so I am very fired up about the future of supersonic flight. Right now, the entire world still flies at the same speed that people did in the 1950s, which I think is just crazy. I think what we're doing here at Boom is actually the most exciting thing happening in aviation right now because of the impact that it can have on the entire world. Imagine flights that only take three and a half hours from New York to London. This would mean that you could leave New York in the morning, be in London for afternoon meetings, take your clients out to dinner, and fly home landing in New York in time to tuck your kids into bed. An overseas business trip, all of a sudden, is only one day. So it would have a huge impact on lives all over the world. Supersonic travel will allow more people to experience different places and cultures, and make the world a smaller place.
0: So, Aaron, you know, if I understand correctly, there used to be supersonic flight back, and I don't know much about it. How how would Boom be different than the prior supersonic jets that were available that were doing? Overseas travel um, very quickly.
1: Yeah, that's very true Um, So the Concorde was the supersonic aircraft that flew from about the 1970s until 2003 and the Concorde could fly at Mach 2 go New York to London three and a half hours Um, But it was really really expensive to fly and ultimately that's what killed the Concorde It was like twenty thousand dollars for a round-trip ticket New York to London That's not something that people can really use for routine travel The reason that it was so expensive is what I touched on a little bit earlier. It's the fuel efficiency of the aircraft. The Concorde was designed in the 1950s and 60s, a really long time ago, when engineers had to use wind tunnels and slide rules. They didn't have any of the modern technology that we have available now. So today, we have things like modern turbofan engines that increase engine fuel efficiency. Um, We have computational fluid dynamics, or CFD which allows us to use computer simulations to find a very efficient aerodynamic shape for the external shape of the aircraft. Um, And we have different materials like carbon fiber composites, uh, which perform better at heat and stress than aluminum does, and the Concorde was made of aluminum. Uh, So we can use all those things to improve our fuel efficiency and bring ticket prices way down um, and sell tickets at current business class prices.
0: All right. Thanks for that, Aaron. And and that makes sense, right? Because it, it if you're trying to bring supersonic flight to the masses, twenty thousand dollars, that's just not gonna cut it. So
1: a little too much. Yeah, a
0: little <laughs> too much. I, I would be taking standard flights. Um so let's move on to a story of an aha moment you had. Something that you think would be interesting for STEM Nation.
1: I found it very interesting as I was graduating college that for your whole life up until that moment, there's a very clear road that you take as a student. You finish high school, you apply to college, you choose a major, you graduate college, and you get a good job. But from there, the roadmap is totally open and very non-standard after that. It's the most freedom you have to choose your path that you've really had up until that moment. And realizing how many different paths were suddenly open in front of me was kind of my aha moment. I asked myself, aside from just doing well at work, what did I want to accomplish in my life? And one of the things I decided I wanted to achieve was getting my private pilot's license. I had been fascinated with aviation. It was something that I really had wanted to do since high school, but not something my parents were willing to pay for at that time. So once I had a salary um, and a new job, I started flying and studying, and it was the most rewarding and challenging thing that I've ever done. But it's also how I got my job at Boom, because my instructor introduced me to my boss here. So you really never know where these things might lead.
0: Yeah, so that's it's interesting, Aaron, right? So it's the it's the network that you formed by doing something that you're passionate about, right? Going off and flying, going and getting your pilot's license, realizing that's you know, your instructor knows somebody over at Boom, puts a connection together and voila, you know, you're you're a flight control engineer working on, you know, high speed aircraft, which is really pretty cool. And yeah, you know, in order to do that, you did have to get through college. And, you know, these STEM careers, they're challenging, right? You hear this all the time on on the podcast, right? They are challenging. So, Aaron, going back to when you're roughly 18, heading off to college, what do you wish you knew back then that could, you know, could help STEM Nation uh, get through these curriculums successfully?
1: Sure. I think there's kind of two different things because you're right. It absolutely is challenging. Um, So the first thing I would say is have a good support network all throughout college and then all throughout your career, too. Um, I joined the Society of Women Engineers my first day of freshman orientation, and it was a very good thing I did because my first calculus exam that I took in college, I bombed. I got a 54% on, and this is not a number that I had ever seen on a test before, (laughs) and uh, called my mom crying and said, Mom, I'm not smart enough to be an engineer. Uh, But luckily, I had met a lot of older women through the Society of Women Engineers who I told this story, too, and they said, no, that's totally normal. Everyone fails a test in college, especially in engineering. It's not going to impact your future at all. Um, you can still succeed in this and have a great engineering career, even if you fail a whole class. Um, so having that support network and people who could walk me through that really helped. And it's, it's why I'm still in engineering and still involved in that um, society today.
0: Yeah, and it's important to know, right? We we it's come up many times on the podcast. It, it you're going to fail some tests. You're going to get Cs, you're going to get Ds, and and that's okay. And you know, when you're going off looking for a a job, you know, position when you graduate, they're not looking most of the time they're not looking for the 4.0 students, right? They're looking for the students that did good enough in college, right? Let's just call it a, a B level, you know, 3.0 or higher. Um, but they're looking for folks that have extracurricular activities, right, involved with the Society yeah. of Women Engineers, um, you know, maybe taking some leadership positions, or may, maybe you're the vice president of the local chapter. Those are the skills that companies are looking for, along with the, the, the knowledge that, hey, you know what, you, you got through the engineering curriculum or you got through the STEM degree. So you know how to learn, and that's the m- most important thing, and you know how to take on some leadership roles and be involved in extracurricular activities everything together that's what that's what companies are looking for so thanks for that aaron absolutely and we're going to take a quick pause to thank our sponsor audible who's offering a free audiobook you could head to stemonfirebook.com that's stemonfirebook.com to get a free audiobook of your choosing if you decide to cancel within 30 days there's no cost and you get to keep the audiobook and aaron it is lightning round time Okay. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: I'd say it's focus on the fundamentals. If you're able to approach problems with the basic principles of engineering, you'll be able to solve everything. Like F equals MA and the conservation of energy can help you figure out problems you've never seen before. So don't underestimate the fundamentals.
0: And a personal habit that contributes to your success.
1: I always try to ask questions and understand more. Even now that I'm leading a team, I've been doing flight controls for quite a few years. I always try and find out what I don't know and never stop asking why.
0: And a favorite internet resource or phone app?
1: I use OneNote for all my meeting notes, reminders, and analysis because everything is in one place and I can never lose it that way. So it helps me stay very organized.
0: And a book you would recommend?
1: I just finished reading Fly Girls. It's a great book about the first female pilots and the fight that they had to be taken seriously in the world of aviation. And to win the right to compete in the air races alongside men.
0: All right. And Erin, you've provided a lots of insight into aerospace engineering and some insights in getting through college. But we're going to ask for a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation, and then we will say goodbye.
1: I think the last thing that I would say is we touched on this a little bit, but extracurriculars are very important. And I think that one of the most valuable ways to attack, attack those is to involve yourself in hands-on engineering-related extracurriculars something that I wish I knew when I was starting college. If you join something like Design Build Fly, where you make remote-controlled aircraft, or Formula SAE, where you build an actual car to race, you get hands-on experience building something with your own hands. You also get to see how concepts discussed in class apply to real projects. It gives applicants right out of school a leg up in the interview process and in their first time on the job.
0: All right, Aaron, And I'm going to add one more thing here. You're out in the Colorado-Denver area, if I understand it correctly. Yep, we are. If if there's some folks in STEM Nation out in that area, is it possible to get a tour of Boom?
1: Very good question. We do tours kind of on a case-by-case basis. We don't really have an open walk-in sort of thing. Um, but if people want to contact me and we're doing a group tour for something else, then uh, we can probably make that work.
0: All right, sounds good. And STEM Nation, you can find Erin's link to LinkedIn on the show notes and just ping her on, on LinkedIn. Say you heard her on STEM on Fire and uh, see if you can arrange something. And with that, Aaron, we will say goodbye.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Jeff.
0: Yeah, thank you, Aaron. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Aaron. You can head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player and share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion in STEM.